Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, anywhere in the world that you are today. And today has been a very exciting day in the world because all days are exciting as long when it doesn't end in an asteroid crash. Um, um, but today, um, I'm going to have a great guest, uh, Roxy Zwicker. I want to thank everybody who was, who was with my last show, which was interesting uh, with Dr. Cindy Brennan. And, uh, but this one is, is a person that was nominated or kind of brought to my attention, and I feel kind of embarrassed that I did not know of this, uh, Mrs. Roxy Zwicker um, prior to this because she's done so many different things. But next, but first, two years ago, we were mentioning you know the billion dollar economy, um, and sort of those energies. So that was a big uh, backup. And today we heard about the Sabrina and New York Cosmetics collaboration. Yeah, we're seeing a collaboration. And if people look at me strangely, I warned that there was going to eventually be witch makeup, and that it came out of. Hollywood instead of coming out of, out of uh, because of the Sephora action. And I said that at the time, I was really kind of upset that Sephora, which was actually backed by a small witchy company that didn't know how to handle their publicity, but that would have been much more authentic to us. But don't worry, we've got Sabrina for our back. So that's going to come up um, January 21st. I'm going to have a very special guest talking about that. I'm setting that up. But today, I'm going to be talking to, I think is probably... One of the more fascinating people I've I've seen in a long time, um, Roxy Zwicker, um, connecting with spirits all of her life, and um, I, you know I'm not going to read this off, but too much. But she's uh, she did a movie. We'll talk about that. She's written books, but we'll get all into it. Are you there, um, Roxy? I am here. It's okay. Okay, I I will say that I I, I this one. This one caught me a surprise. I, I, people don't realize every once in a while I go out and ask people who we should meet and who we should talk to. And your name came up a couple of times. And I was like, oh, okay. And you gracefully accepted the invitation to come on, so I'm really grateful for that. But then I did some research. and like, how did I miss you? I mean, you're up there in New England, and you're doing all these sort of things. And But let's start with your story. You say that you've been connecting to spirits all your life. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that? So I grew up in uh, Western Massachusetts, and I have been very lucky all my life to have some form of magic around me. And growing up in the 1970s, I grew up in a household that had tarot cards, and we burned loose incense, and we talked about magic. And this was before you could go down the street and, you know, pick up any one of, you know, 100 different types of tarot cards. So I I was very used to having that as part of an everyday practice in my house. So it didn't seem like it was foreign to me. It was just part of, you know, tonight after dinner, we're going to burn some incense. We're going to take a look at the shape of the incense to see if we see anything, that there might be a message in that. So I was always looking at the environment around me and very hopeful of, of learning more about it. And I think I was probably somewhere around nine or 10 that I almost, I guess I could say I kind of put my antenna up even a little bit more because there was a, a girl that I used to see 
on the playground on the property that we lived on at and I used to talk to her and one day when I got home my mother would ask me you know who are you talking to on the playground and you know I it's kind of strange because I never actually got her name and um, as I explained my story to my mother my mother said you know there's nobody there like I don't you know I I don't see anybody that you're talking to um, again because she was very open she said you know there's there's probably something to this let's go see what we can find out about it and we went and found out that about um, 35, 40 years previous to us um, moving in the property, it was a farm, and there was a girl that matched the exact description that drowned in a pond um, not too far from my bedroom window. And the next time I was out on the playground um, and I saw her, I had said to her that she was a ghost and there was no way for her to be there. And I was just a kid and I didn't understand and she was gone. And I felt really bad about that experience. And it was it really brought the whole notion of spirits and the other world and trying to understand what happens to you when you pass away. That really made me wonder and really get into finding out more about it. And I spent a lot of time at our beautiful local library. And there's something about a library that just really captures me because there's so much, so much history and so much to learn and the smell of the book. And I started to look into mythology and spirit communication. And, you know, back in the day it was ESP and all of that. And it just opened up a whole new world for me. And I realized probably around the age of um, 13 or 14, because I was adopted um, as a child, that since I didn't know who my family was, being in New England, I often wondered if I walked by someone on the street that I might be related to, I decided very early on that I wanted to collect stories of other people and find a way to share those. And I was fascinated by cemeteries and architecture. And in New England, obviously, we have no shortage of that. And I found that was how I felt connected to the land that was around me and the stories that were from the past. And I really started to find myself so it was um it's it, it just became a part of early life for me and learning how to read tea leaves when i was 15 and, and you know always having tarot cards and finding that there was a way to connect and that there was something more that was out there and of course it was it was strange i couldn't talk to other kids at school about it but it was it was always there and i think that's one thing that i've always loved about magic and about you know just just connecting all the time it's it's there and it's right it's hiding in plain sight all around us so I mean that's that's just a you know a a fairly quick um way that I just I got into it and of course it's you know it's grown so much since then and so it has so you so you collected stories and I understand you have seven I saw that you have seven books on uh, uh, folklore New England folklore. Is I do. Correct? I have. <laughs> yeah, you are correct. I have. I've written um, seven books on New England folklore, history, uh, ghost stories, and it's part of my own spiritual work. And it's something that is sometimes not easily explained and sometimes not easily understood. Is that I'm hoping in some way that I'm either you know healing the past or connecting someone to maybe someone they didn't know about or or just finding myself and when I'm 
standing at, at a gravestone and exploring the history of someone that's buried there, I always say to myself, you know what, I don't know what my story is, but by sharing this in a book or sharing it in a lecture that I do, that I'm finding myself and I'm bringing that community closer to one another and talking about spirits and you know, the symbolism that we have here in New England. And by looking at a building, you can learn so much about the people that lived there or the architects that built it. It, it to no end intrigues me. And to have been lucky enough to have been able to write about this and to be able to go around and talk about it, um, it, it's, it seems kind of strange, but it's, it's fulfilling in so many different ways for me. Well, we say in our community that which we remember, those we remember live. Um, the idea mm. as long as somebody's remembered. And um I recently uh recently had heard a story about the three times we die and it's very an interesting story. It's in the first time we die is the day we realize we're going to die. It's our first first sign of mortality. So that was like the little death. You know, you're gonna die someday and once you realize that that changes the way you have it. The day that you, you do die and you are buried to the earth or you know, or whatever way that they get rid of your body, me, they're going to lose sight. I'm telling you, I want to become one of these old collectibles, um, so they can, you know, <laughs> why not? I'm completely irreverent about what happens to my body, and I've joked about that. But the third death, and they said to say, it's the day that the last person remembers you, last thing mm. your name is mentioned, and then at that time, then that, mm-hmm. that's the final death. And I, I, and so you're basically keeping that from for some people. Obviously, your stories help extend that sort of that sort of deep, deeper life, and so I can really respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see. So so you've been at this. So you, this has been something like you said. You started with a young age. You had this sort of spiritual experience. You started to realize that you were different, and I noticed that you said you know that you're an intuitive. And a gifted reader. So, did you? Is this how somehow you made your living, or did you do something in between that and what you're doing now? I mean, to make an existence, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. So, <laughs> it's it's uh, you know it, it's one of those things where right you know right out of the gate. So you know in the 1980s, it still was talked about behind closed doors, even though you know even though it is New England and you know, it, it's it's part of our history here. It was something that I kept a lot to myself and the few people that uh, knew that I practiced. I, I found myself doing my best to educate them and teach them, you know, this is how you do TD reading. This is how you do tarot card reading. But logically, my, you know, my I have to pay my bills side of things you know, sent me to college, and I ended up, you know, obviously working in an office and and doing that side of things. And I, somewhere around my my twenties, I had, you know, probably about mid nineteen mid twenties, you know, probably about nineteen, you know, ninety nineteen ninety five. During that time, I said to myself that I am open if this is not what I'm supposed to be doing and working in an office, then let that path open up for me. And I did work around that and I made sure that the work that I was doing had no expectations. And I started to notice things shifting out. And I, I committed that the work that I do. And one of the, one of the teachings that I share with people is that the work that I do would not just be for myself, but it would be for others. And 
to help them on their path and to be of service. And right away, I think when I made that dedication to service, that's when I started to notice that it was it was time to move. It was, you know, time to to change things up. And all the while, constantly learning as much as I could and, and practicing and trying so many things. Um, about 20 years ago, um, I moved from Massachusetts. I'm up in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area. And right away, as soon as I came into this community here, I found that there were places that I could go where I could start teaching, I could start reading, and what ended up happening is I ended up phasing out of my full-time job, um, where this is what I do all the time. I own my own tour and event company based on you know what I do and what I write about, and it's now what I do all the time. And it took it took a, a little bit of belief in the fact that I could do this. And again, trying to look at it in a very balanced way. It's 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 what I do. It's how I how I pay my bills, how I make my living, um, and it's it's a commitment. And and the tour company is called New England Curiosities. It is so absolutely. It sounds like it would be fascinating. So, what do you, when somebody takes a tour with you, what do they do? I mean, do you take them to see haunted spaces or? Um, so our. Uh, <laughs> that that is part of what we do. So uh, Portsmouth, a, a beautiful old cobblestone city from 1623. It's one of the oldest settlements in the United States. And we have buildings and burial grounds that go back to the early 1600s. And as soon as I came up to the seacoast, I felt like I was at home. And I felt a connection to the land. It's It's right on the ocean. And there was something that was here that was telling me to tell the story and right away as soon as I started telling the stories and just you know bringing people around to to share stories of the architecture and people would tell me stories and gathering stories from lecture and research it was pretty evident to me that the people that were living here were looking for someone to talk to about an experience that they had had a they were trying to understand how to connect with a deceased loved one. There was so much that I heard in the early days of New England Curiosities about people saying, they preface things with, I haven't told anybody, but I feel I can tell you. I feel comfortable with you asking you this question. And I, I couldn't believe my ears. And as time went on, those first few years, I started to realize that I had more stories than on the two streets that I was walking and talking about. And I started to add tours and very, very quickly, just a few years into it, I was contacted by the history channel when they saw what I was doing just on my website and they came and they filmed um, me in Portsmouth. And then the next year I filmed with the travel channel. And then immediately I got my first book deal and it just, these weren't things I was looking for. They just started manifesting and it started to grow and grow and grow. And that's where I really started to phase out of what I was doing. And there's always been a spiritual undertone to the tours that I don't force on anybody because I let them decide for themselves, you know, if they want to ask any questions. And I tell the, the history and the story and try to get people to think about what's in their backyard or who's in their backyard. And there's been such a vein of spirituality that's come out of it that has been undeniable and has really fueled the fire for, for the tours to, to go on and expand and, 
and really take on a life of their own. So, so the magic that you did is that you start all this happened for you because you did something very. People don't realize how powerful it is. And one of the first arts of I always people when they want to learn magic or become a witch, they have to learn the one skill. And it sounds like you did that very well. And that is to listen, to to deeply listen, and to appreciate people's stories, and then become help them understand their stories a bit. And it sounds like that was your magic there, and that really took off for you. Give you opportunities because you were willing to do that. And I think that's so important. And if if we could just take a moment to let someone feel that comfort of, I you know I can share this with you without being judged. I'm trying to understand, you know. There's that human connection that when I'm standing there with someone and they're talking about a loved one, or I'm sharing the story of the history of the site that we're in, it's almost like, for, for me, it's almost like we're back there 200 years ago and everything else falls away. And there's something mm-hmm. that's very visceral and energetic about that. And I, when I walk away after a, a tour or a lecture or, you know, meeting someone at the coffee shop to, to talk about spirits, there is such an energetic high that I get off of that of you know I we've connected like we've plugged in to that space we've looked at that energy and um, there's nothing like it and there isn't and I think then from there you're able then to tell those stories again to other people so you learn to listen and then you're bold I mean I, I always say that it sounds like you're bold enough to go ahead and tell these stories again and to other people and and then the world's listening now. And um, you also have a podcast, Wicked Curious Radio. I always tell people we cannot get enough noise out there. I do that, <laughs> and you cover more of this. No, I, I'm serious. I, I, people don't realize how how much the community is growing and so fast. And that I always mm-hmm. I appreciate, um, and I appreciate. So I always love that. So on Wicked Curious Radio, you, you I, I listen, and it's very interesting because you get into some really detailed stories and and way things work. So if you haven't heard of that, you should try to go out there and listen to it. Um, and um, and then I saw that, okay, and then I, Ellen Everett Hoffman, we all know of that, that you were listening to the Real Witches of New England. I've read this book. It's like, okay, I finally put a connection to it. Uh, I went into the library to look it up. And so there's a great story there too. So that was very interesting for you to be in that book. I mean, it it shows that Drew Drew. I feel I feel like when I read read your piece that you that she was drawing out more than you were used to talking about yourself. <laughs> um, it's it's funny. I within you know probably that the past ten years of being out in the public and being, you know, in the public eye and people knowing, you know, at, at least here, you know, on the seacoast, you know, who I am, I, I really decided that the best way to be completely authentic is to tell the full story. And, you know, if someone wants to judge me and say, well, geez, that, you know, that part of her story sounds kind of crazy. Like, really? She, you know, she saw this 10 year old little girl and, you know, nobody else saw her and, really telling the, the the milestones for me in discovering 
who I am and the work that I do and putting them down into words in that book. It, it's funny that I've always found it very easy to tell the stories of other people, but when I had to sit down and really write the story out of, of who I am, I really had to think, you know, I have to tell the, the whole story, you know, even if some parts of it seem kind of weird that that's the only way for people to understand, you know, who I am and the work that I do. So it was, um, it was an interesting experience in that respect that for the first time I had to write about myself versus somebody else. I, I can understand that. I'm, I'm going through a process like that myself. Everybody knows it because I'm, I've been a big advocate for this idea of more media. Because in, you started like like I did. Probably you mentioned the '90s. Um, I started at the beginning of the '90s, where you know, you could, where we all fought for media time. The idea of doing a radio mm-hmm. show, and I did do one of the early radio shows then, Second uh, Chicago Radio, and everybody in that. I continue to love radio, but I'm now trying to get into doing more broadcasting and I'm, and that sort of thing. It's really hard to kind of put yourself out there. It's easier to tell everybody else's story, much harder to tell your own. And um, and I appreciate you sharing your story with us tonight as well. And so you've been at this, and then you've got something I think is pretty rare. Um, and I think that I want to get into it. You have an Emmy-nominated film. That's rare. I know how rare that is. First of all, to do, to do a film is very difficult. And then to do something, and the film is called The Woodland Alchemy. The Woodland Alchemy. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about that a little bit? I mean, first of all, where can people find this movie if they wanted to find it today? Um, um, the, the, uh, the trailer for The Woodland Alchemy is on Vimeo. So if you go to okay. Vimeo.com um, and look up The Woodland Alchemy, uh, you can see the three-and-a-half-minute trailer that's on there. Um, and, of course, you can, you can contact me directly through New England Curiosities. Um, we actually just had a showing a couple of months ago. But th- this film, it, it, it's going to sound strange again, but it was, it was not my intention to do a film. And uh, for years I've always done volunteer service in the community as well. And one of the organizations that I volunteer at is, well, I did volunteer at, is a TV station in Portsmouth. And I used to produce a program about uh, being empowered through your spiritual work. And one of the people that I volunteered there with had said, you know, oh, it'd be really cool for, for you and all your witchy friends to let's go out in the woods and, you know, let's do a movie. And they kept tossing it at me. And then finally one day I said, all right, well, let's do it. And they gave me their perception of witchcraft, which is was a very unrealistic perception at that time of, you know, kind of the, the scary side of, of witchcraft based on what they had seen in the media. And it was really an educational process to, to sit down. And I, I said to him, I said, well, if we're going to do this, then we have to do it the right way. We have to really show who witches are and what they do, but I didn't want to do it as a documentary. I didn't want to preach at them. I wanted to step into that spiritual space. So what happened is I said, all right, so let's make a date and we'll, you know, we'll figure out what the calendar of of shooting is and put together a schedule. And as we were doing it, I decided to ask a couple of uh, my friends to, to appear in the film with me. And we really didn't talk a whole lot 
about what we wanted the film to look like. I really wanted it to be as organic as possible. So we picked a beautiful location in New Hampshire. It's called Patakaway State Park. And it was uh, mid to late November. And I said, let's all meet. We're going to go out there. And when I had, um, when we were talking about putting the film together, we were talking about music. And he had said, you know, oh, you know, we got to have some you know, really great music. And I said, well, I know people. I said, I, I know someone that could probably do a great song for us. So next thing you know, um, my friend Jenna Green went to another friend of mine, and they put together this song. And, of course, it was called The Wooden Alchemy. And when we all pulled up at the park that day, and, again, just uh, just the idea of, you know, we're going out into the woods, we're going to do magic, bring your tools, whatever you're called to do. And we played that song in the parking lot on the car stereo. Immediately, you could just sense the woods coming alive. And we went out and we each did our our, our own individual rituals. One was light, one was shadow, and one was balance. Mine was balance. And I didn't write the film until after we did the rituals, which is just something you don't do in filmmaking. Obviously, you want to figure out what the shots are and, you know, what what are you going to be doing? So when we we did that, we realized it was going to go from, you know, an eight to ten minute piece that there had to be more to it. So we went back and we continued shooting um, on several other dates. And again, just really just from the perspective as if you were walking through the woods and you came upon these people doing magic and then you were part of that, you know, everything from, you know, flying over the land and shape shifting to seeing trees from a different perspective to going down and underneath in the earth and finding the light within and rituals by the water, but not again in, in a documentary sort of way. I wrote the, I ended up writing the narrative for the film afterwards as if someone had found this magic book and they were finding the story in the book and they would narrate just a little bit in the background, but you were drawn in to what was happening. So we, we put the film together. It was, um, it was almost a year to the day by the time that we were done three beautiful songs, three beautiful rituals, the overarching story. Um, the theme of the film is honor me and it's honoring your spiritual path it's honoring what nature has to teach you it's honoring whatever your spirituality is um and that's kind of what brings you through the film what is it that you would like to honor so it was it was wonderful we we got to the end of the project and we were like oh this looks great and once we started showing it to a few people and getting ready for its premiere people were saying you know this really has legs it's it's beautiful it's different the music is amazing so i set up a a screening in newburyport massachusetts at a theater and we had we filled the theater with 200 people to come and see this film and i invited them to leave commentary and um we did a a question and answer panel and people were in tears they felt they, they were saying they felt like they were being lifted up they felt like they were in the film they were healing parts of themselves and I knew right away, I'm like, this is, this film needed to happen. So we did, um, we decided for the first year to submit it to film festivals and we submitted it to the Emmys and um, we were featured at the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival 
and they wanted us to come up on the stage and do ritual in front of the audience to go with the film in addition to the question and answer panel. We got a lot of media attention. Um, We were constantly being interviewed about the film as it went through that first year um, of a run, which really was was throughout last year. And um, last year I actually was invited to bring it to um, Temple Fest, which is Temple of Witchcraft, um, which I, I also belong to. And I brought it to the event and walked through the ritual. And it was just, it was unbelievable just to to sit there and watch people connect. And I watch the audience when they're watching the film. So it was it was not something that I had ever intended in creating this film. It's um it's it's 28 minutes long, so it's short film format, and it's just been so wonderful. So um, I have a, a few places that I'm I'm working on screening it again as we're now in 2020, uh, and it's just been um it's been really really incredible. It sounds fantastic, and it's, and uh, Temple of Witchcraft. I'm a big fan of. Uh, Chris Penzek and all the entire team mm-hmm. around them have done a really amazing mm-hmm. job. And, and we remember, keep supporting their community center. They're trying to put together in Salem, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Salem, New I Hampshire. Not, mm-hmm. That's right. So I remember, they're not working not, really so. hard. <laughs> and they're working yeah. really hard to do that. So, so keep supporting them and on they're that they're project. great people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 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 Great people, great and, project. And um, as people know, as you know, Christopher has been on on our shows of Pagans of Night. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I took a year off from doing these radio shows, and I, and I've been asking people, you know, for new, you know, for people who we haven't heard from before, and you came up with it. But I have a very unusual event, and I already checked it out. Would you be willing? So I have a young lady on the line who wants, actually wants to ask you a question. Would you mind? Oh, absolutely! Um, I don't mind at all. Um. Normally, we well, we have a call-in feature on the show. We don't normally. Is it Bella? Is there? Hi. Are you there? <laughs> Hi. How are you? Hello. Hello. This is Hi, Roxy. My name's Benita. How are you? I'm very well, Benita. Thank you. How are you? Great. So my question is um, how to um, – well, let me just say it a different way. So sometimes I can hear voices of like like it usually happens like with my friends like I can hear I can hear voices like it's talking but their mouths aren't moving so I can hear and I just want to know is there some type of exercise or something that I can do to um open that gift up does that make sense absolutely absolutely so there's there's a, a lot of things that you can do to open that up. So one of the things that I suggest to people when they're just starting off is something that is very much stream of consciousness. So sitting down with a piece of paper, um, whichever time you feel you're, you're most uh, aware and connected to some people, it's in the morning for others in the evening. I'm an evening person. And I'll start on the piece of paper. What do I need to know? What are the spirits trying to tell me? And once I write that, I just keep writing, and I have no expectations of what else I'm going to write, and I let that flow through me. So if it's voices that you're hearing and you're unable to make out what they have to say, what are the voices trying to tell me? The voices are trying to tell me as you're writing that down, just keep that going. Just keep on writing that. Another thing that I tell people to do is, if you're hearing something, take a book off the shelf, 
what are they trying to tell me? Open up the book. The first words that you see is part of the message of what it is that you're trying to hear. Um, Also, as you're laying down and you're going to sleep in the alpha mode, that's when we tend to open up quite a lot because our mind is quieting down. Our energy center is, is opening up a little bit more to our higher selves, God, goddess universe. And what, what are you trying to tell me? Redreaming a dream. If the voices are something that you hear in a dream, going back in and bringing that back up for yourself. And it's, that energy that you're experiencing is is light. It's it's a light that comes through. It's a it's a vibration. And if you can connect your light to it, because we're 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 made of light inside. That's the way our our mind works. It's this this whole lighted path that works through our brain. And connecting that um, is is kind of an, another way to do it. Of course, my very practical application of that is if I'm hearing. Voices are getting a sense that there's something there. I'll actually just break out my cards. What are you trying to tell me? Use the cards to speak to me. That's a very practical, I have it in front of me tool that I can use. There's a a few different suggestions for you. Hopefully that'll give you some ideas of things you could try. Yeah, thank you. Sometimes I can make out the wording, but there have been several times on several different occasions where I've just been on the phone with someone and I can hear mm-hmm. like another conversation on top of the conversation that I'm already having. Mhm. Mhm. My guess is if you know, if there is no other source for that happening, then they're trying to get through to you. It could be your own spiritual support team. I'm a firm believer that you know we all have guides, guardians, and ancestors that are trying to help us connect to the other side. So. One of the things I might also try to do is figure out if it's if it's them or if it's our guides trying to get us in touch with with what's going on with them as well because we we have our a higher self that's also working around us so it could be you're tuning into the higher self of the person that you're talking to on the phone where that information's coming through but trying to figure out what that initial source is and then going in and taking it one step further. Okay, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, Benita, for calling in. It's, um, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's been great listening. So, Thank yeah. you so much. So, so interesting. I used to be a call-in show my last time around. Mm-hmm. So the, the setup is still kind of is that. that was, but I haven't had a call-in in a while because I've been doing it, uh, the new calls and phones uh, based on, um, on on the guests. Because they used to be Pegasus and I for – 10 years was 7 o'clock every night, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock is uh, Eastern time every night, seven days a week um, mm-hmm. for almost 10 years. You know, so, yeah, for those people that didn't, didn't put up the count, 3,107th episode of Peggy Tonight Radio. Um, so that was very good. Thank you. That was, that, was, that was fun. That was unexpected. So you've got this movie. You're starting to show it around. Do you have another book mm-hmm. on, the, uh, on the line? Do you have? Are you so looking it, at it? Or are you... it, it's 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 funny. Um, you've asked that because I had taken a break for the last two or three years from writing. I, you know, I had a book come out almost every single year, um, and I still I have a lot of material that I can write about as it relates to New England and folklore. There's you know, obviously no end 
to to our stories here. And I'm always looking for the the stories that are the the ones people haven't heard about. You know, I I sit with microfilm for hours and try to find something, hop in my car and go and chase down the story in some cases. Um, however, a lot of folks that know me, um, people in my circle, um, students of mine have asked me to write a witchcraft book. And I've been thinking about that over the past couple of months and coming up with a couple of outlines as to really writing about witchcraft from kind of from my perspective and and how it it's worked for me kind of with the historical folklore behind it because a lot of the stories that I have here in New England a lot of them are based on on folklore women who were supposedly practicing witchcraft but they were you know they're really midwives but what's the real magic behind the story and in the past year uh, I've been doing a presentation about witches outside of witchcraft outside of Salem, Massachusetts um, other people who were trying a victim of witchcraft in New England and really what the story was behind it and you know again were they herbalists were they midwives and then what's the real magic of the story and that's something that I've been thinking about from you know presenting it in a different in a different light, um, and then, you know, the, the magic of it. You know, we have stories of, of women in New England who were using witches' ladders, but what really is a witch's ladder? How are they perceived back in the 1700s versus today, and what is that tool, and how, how does that work? So there's, there's a lot of different stories that I find myself taking to the next level and looking in a little bit deeper and then redefining what that magic is and if it's magic that I've done, if I've tried making a witch's ladder, which which I have, and I've taught people how to do it and the symbolism behind it. So um, things like that I, I'm thinking about putting together in a book, but something, you know, again, something very, very different um, based on, you know, kind of my my work and my perspective that I've been doing, you know, for the past 15, 20 years. That makes a lot of sense. And it's really the right time to do it because I'm, as it, so I've been known, so I, I'm known mostly as a futurist. I've been, you know, predicting some of these movements. And right now, what mm. we're seeing right now is the largest surge in witchcraft interest in the history of witchcraft, just because of the sheer number mm-hmm. of volume people and our ability to communicate. And one of the things they're finding lacking, so there's plenty of books to tell you how. There's mm-hmm. even a few books to tell you why, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of books about the history of it. I mean, and if there mm-hmm. are history books, it's almost strictly from a patriarchal Christian point of view. Even if they don't intend to be, there's still the stories that are often told from that point of view, even if it's told by a witch and she's trying to break through it. So it's very interesting to see the idea that you got there is a very would be very powerful. I mean, it is a very powerful idea of telling it from a witch's point of view, not from a you know this sort of traditional way. Because um, mm-hmm. I've cut my teeth on all of those old books, and they, as you know, as you read them yourself, a lot of them are from that sort of older Christian point of view, uh, the mm-hmm. history, and um, mm-hmm. or it's all Salem. I mean, just that. I mean, when they dig up the books of Salem three hundred years ago, they're going to find that to be the most bizarre place. Um, you have all these stories about it, including up to now an alternative history book, which is a storyline called Fort Salem's coming out this spring sometime. At least I hope so. 
about, you know, which is making a deal with the United States government, including a branch of the U.S. military. Um, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a very bizarre story. But I don't think people get a lot enough of the real story, of really where magic is. And what you're saying here in those stories, it sounds like, in some of the stories that you've looked at, that magic is, is maybe extraordinary in some way, but it's really kind of every day as well. That it sounds like you're it, saying it that... You're, you're completely right, Ed. It is it is very, very every day. And it was funny. I had stopped in um, one of the local town libraries, and I was just looking up a book for a completely different subject matter. And I was speaking to the head librarian, and she asked me, you know, well, what brings you to the library, and what are you looking up? And I said, you know, well, I read No Link Curiosities, and you know, I'm always looking for, you know, strange history and things like that. And she she said, if you've got a few minutes let me go and get you my favorite story. And she goes and she gets the town history book. It was written in the 1930s. And she says, my favorite story about anything unusual is about this woman who was believed to be a witch in the town history book back in the 1700s. And I looked at it and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how, how did, how did I not hear this story? Why isn't anybody talking about the story? What's the truth? What's the myth? What's the magic in that story? And there's so much of, that that's out there that I'm constantly working to bring to light. And it's just funny um, how that happens. And then looking at that from all sides. So there, it, there's so much that is out there. And I think a lot of people honestly would be surprised. Um, and that, I think that's, you know, part of the reason why I came up with the name, you know, Northern Curiosities and, and the radio show Wicked Curious, because once you start finding a couple of these stories about, you know, what's been hidden in the wall and what they believed about this tool they put in the wall to keep away evil spirits. What's the truth of that? Once you start going down those roads, there's so much that is out there that is, like I said earlier, hiding in plain sight. And those are the things that I really strive to give a voice to. And I absolutely, I love, I love Salem. I know so many people in Salem actually in um, July, I'm presenting at uh, the tarot conference that's down there. And I think Salem's absolutely amazing. But I also want to give a voice to the rest of New England. There's so much that is that is here and that's still being discovered. And it's just, it's fabulous. Just like you were explaining, you know, people don't know um, and being able to, to get that out there and share that information is just so inspiring. Yeah, I do think that's one of the next things we're going to see is the community grows because we saw it with Harry Potter. And people look at me in practical magic and they were like, oh, yeah, they contaminated the community. But out of that movement, I've seen a lot of people uh, emerge into our community who use these sort of um, literary and these sort of you know, fairy tales to look for the truth. And I think that as we now see, we're going to see there's another round of them coming. You know, you're hearing the, the, the reboot of Practical Magic as a series, the prequel with the ants, and there's, you know, the, the Fort Salem, and then there's Juju, which is the all-black uh, African-American story where these are African-American witches. You've had time-traveling witches on Netflix. So we see this really love affair with Hollywood creating mm. See these sort of these stories, and they're and they're and they're and they're going to keep coming. But I think that after some point, somebody somebody's coming out and going to go say, "Well, what's the real truth?" And I think that you've. 
obviously you've already begun doing that by telling the stories of folklore. So I really think that there's going to be always this sort of demand for more authenticity. I know um, mm-hmm. Temple of Witchcraft is, is very big in trying to tell much more of the real history while they're te- really doing some cutting edge magical work. I know some, I've got, I'm, I'm working on a story there with one of the individuals who are doing some really cutting edge uh, magic that loves quantum physics. As everybody knows, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of quantum. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a really, I, 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 I'm so good to hear about that, that idea of story and that idea of that commonality. Um, so, so how do people find your stuff? Um, what's the best way to communicate with you? Um, of course, you can you can find me at um, newandcuriosities.com. We're also um, New and Curiosities is on Facebook. You can find us there as well. Um, again, my name is is Roxy's Wicker. It's, it's kind of a unique name. It's my real name, um, so you can you can just find me um, out out there as well. Uh, it's it's something that I don't know what's going to be around the next corner for us. I I kind of leave that open to be, you know, kind of to be guided to. Um, we've been, you know, talking about the possibility of another movie. It was it was very strange to sit at the, you know, the, the Emmy Awards and, and have our little little film come up there about witchcraft while everybody else, we were sitting there with, you know, David Muir of World News Tonight and, you know, here we are, this, you know, witchcraft film from New Hampshire. Um, and, that, and that's okay and that's great. And those situations, giving people the opportunity to see what it is, those are the things that I'm, I'm gravitating to um, more and more um, teaching. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in sharing knowledge and I so appreciate what you're doing as well, Ed, and, and having this show and giving people the opportunity to talk about it because there was a, a little window there at one time where people really didn't want to share information. Like, you know, you wouldn't teach people how to read tarot because you know, you're teaching your competition. And I think everybody has a right to expand what they want to know about magic and what they want to do with magic. And that is, you know, that is also part of what I do is, is letting people find their own brand of magic and magic to me every day, you know, it's in the piece of jewelry that you put on the the way you, you know, you stand in the shower and and give yourself a morning blessing to the colors that you wear, um, the music that you listen to that awareness that magic is in the everyday, the food that you eat, everything is there. And I always, I mean, that's like one of my biggest things is, you know, and I love that there's books out there, but find the magic within yourself, within the everyday, within your own personal rituals. I just, I can't stress that enough, um, that it's just, it's so important to see that you're already living a magical life. Now find a way to take it to the next level. Absolutely. So so you were sitting there at the Emmy Awards with your nominated, and you, they showed it. That must have been a very surreal experience to be that much in, because that's that's as mainstream as it gets, in some ways. It was. I mean, it was incredibly surreal, to say the least. Yeah, I've been to do it. I mean, um, I know there are a few people in our community who are reaching those levels. So, and I want to see more of that. And I'm I'm so grateful that you got made the movie. I'm hoping to get the, you know, we'll see how we'll get out there because I'm going to be on the road all year this year, folks. You know, so that sort of thing. We're going to bring you more of the stories that we're going to get you. I've, um, I, too, have committed myself this year to to really doubling down on telling stories because I think I think what you've done is about what's about to happen is that there are going to be people looking for the more authentic stories. 
I just do. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you're doing is amazing. And so does your um, curiosity company, does your tour company run year round or is it, you know, is it particular times of the year? Is it, um, so, so we, we go as, as far as our tours go, um, our tours go, the, the full season is usually April through December. We have other events um, in the off season. So we have some events that are coming up right now. I do a lot of teaching um, in the winter, a lot of lecturing, and I go, you know, all, all over the Northeast um, sharing stories. So we always, we always have things that are on our calendar. I'm always doing readings as well. So I have that happening all the time. So it never really, it never really slows down. Um, so there's always, there's always something that you can participate in with us. And again, you said July, you're going to be at the uh, Tarot, which city Tarot Convention, right? You said, mm-hmm. you said mentioned yep. that. I, I, yeah, I'll I be teaching you... uh, tarot from magic and tarot, like how to use your tarot um, in magic spells. It's very interesting because that's one of the, the shows I'm still waiting to hear back that I'm on. I'm hoping to bring my cameras out there. Um, so it's a, I heard that's going to be an amazing uh, convention out there. So people who haven't heard about it, look it up. What city tarot? It's going to be. Um, it looks like it's turning into quite the event. Uh, pretty major event. That's a, is that the Hawthorne Hotel? Oh yes, we love the Hawthorne Hotel. Um, <laughs> I've been, I've been in it many times. Um, so one last thing, I guess. So one last piece. So so we've got a lot of the young. So my audience is filled with a lot of yeah. I know you old timers out there, and thank you for for bringing Roxy to my attention. I don't know how I missed it, um, and I really appreciate it. And if you have other people you think I should be talking to. Remember, Ed the Pagan, anywhere, Ed the Pagan at Gmail or anywhere else. Let me know who you want me to talk with because I think these people are amazing, and everybody knows I love the Pagan community. But I have also a lot of what I would call Zoomers. Um, I've been on TikTok lately. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, it's an amazing new uh, social media site that has like 50 million um, checks on something called Witch Check, which they're showing off their altars, something we would never have done in our youth, but they're doing it. They're allowed to do magic <laughs> their own way. They do. They take pictures of their altar. They have these 15 seconds, you know, seconds, and they just scan their altars, and they call it witch check. 50 million um, times they've done this, and now kind of been checked out. Yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, I was blown away. Yeah, so the 50 million uh, hashtags of it have been presented, views on on witch checks on TikTok, and so I, I get a lot of the Zoomers in, um, obviously, and people who have questions, and I'm. Have to look at that a little bit better. But what would you give them advice of not to doing magic because you've found that you've every day. But I do get this idea of a lot of younger people, you know, I get uh, that people who do have a story that you have where they see um, people that other people just don't see or spirits and things like that. What should they do if they receive this? I mean, you you said it was quite a quite an experience and you were very fortunate to have an open it. But how would you give them any? Would you give them advice and say this this happens? They're looking for a little answers. Is there anything you can give them uh, to help them along on their journey? Well, the the first thing that I'm 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 going to tell you, and it comes out every time. Uh, well, not every single time. Most of the time, when I talk to people, is don't be afraid. And it doesn't necessarily mean that whoever whoever the spirit is is stuck. That they're not trying to harm you, and don't be afraid of making that attempt and communicating, even just using something as 
simple as a pendulum and finding out why they're there. I, I ran into this um, just very quickly, an amazing instance where I was reading for a, a mother and daughter. I read for them separately and I found out that every time the daughter was going over to the uncle's prayer card that was up on the mantle, he was actually showing up in the other end of the house. And the mother wouldn't tell the daughter that she was seeing the uncle and the daughter wasn't telling the mother that she was at the prayer card. So talking about it is a wonderful thing and being able to bring those two together and say, did you know what was happening in the house? Like, why weren't you telling each other what was going on? Um, And they were afraid. They didn't want to scare the other one. So find somebody, first of all, that you can trust, that you can talk about this with. Try to see if you can communicate, too, with, you know, what time of day are they coming through? What's on your mind? What are you working through spiritually? Having a tool is very confirming. You know, again, whether it's a tarot card or dowsing rods or a pendulum um, or a candle, there's so many different ways to spirit communicate. Um, and honor the energy that they're manifesting to get your attention. Um, sometimes it's just our own spirits that are looking in on us and they're carrying us through what we're going through. They're removing obstacles in our way. So what I would say is be very open-minded about why spirit might be around. You may be really, really surprised. Um, find someone that you can confide in, that you can talk to, that you feel comfortable in. Try possibly a, a tool. Um, write down when these things happen. You know, keep a keep a notebook or a journal so you can see what's going on. There's so many things that you can do. But the first thing I just implore you is don't be afraid and be open. I think that's solid advice and everything else. So um, that is well. Thank you for being on the show with me today. You can see Rachi. Go ahead, New England Curiosities, and find her out. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. And um, Thank you. It was my absolute pleasure. And so, folks, you know, tomorrow night I'm going to be back with uh, Elder Talk Begins, our monthly cycle with uh, Lord Don, Lady Stephanie, and myself, where we're going to talk, and our subject is what is magic for the six months in a row. You made that show one of the top – made one of the, those shows one of the top in podcasting. I'm so shocked. And so with that, we're going to leave you tonight with Jenna Green, because you mentioned her name, and dance with me. You walked in the pub, you tied enough, the twirly on your face, I The best of the play in the fifth.